Welcome to the podcast of the Renew Community. We strive to be a Jesus community who cares about the things Jesus cares about. This podcast was recorded at our last gathering. Teaching like this is how we worship together every other week. We look to the scriptures seeking to become more like Christ. We're glad you're listening. Uh, two weeks ago, Doug and I had an opportunity to teach together and just dreaming into the vision of, of what I might want to do in us and through us in 2020. Uh, and we just, we sensed that God was calling us to enter into brave space. Um, and many of you have entered into brave space with your finances, as we just shared, um, giving generously and sacrificially. Uh, but what, do, what would it look like for our community to move from safe space to brave space? And we sense that that brave space looks like being people who are empathetic and prophetic. Uh, and, and empathy is, is something that I think our community has done really well at throughout its life. And it's something I, I want to dig in a little bit this morning, a little bit more. Uh, it's a pretty popular, I think, kind of term that's around in our culture that's talked about a lot. Um, many of you have probably heard Brene Brown. Um, I don't think you can listen to her or read any of her books without coming across the word empathy. Um, and so if you, if you really want to know more about empathy, you can read her books or listen to her because she knows a lot more about it than I do. Um, but I, I want to just look at some scripture this morning. But first, uh, I do want to begin with just kind of a definition of empathy uh, and a little bit of vision of what empathy is. And this comes from Dr. Laura Markham. Uh, she says, empathy is feeling from the other person's point of view. Empathy is also an actual physical event. When you bestow the gift of empathy, you create a visceral connection that changes everything. It is the deepest form of connection. It strengthens the relationship bond. It helps a person feel understood, known, and less alone with their pain and suffering. Empathy heals. Empathy heals. I want to begin uh, just looking at two verses in the book of Mark, chapter 1. Uh, I have them up on the screen, and it's from two different versions, and you'll see why in just a second. Um, but first from the NIV, it says, A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And from the NLT, the New Living Translation, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. It's quite the different response from Jesus, as noted in those two translations. Jesus was indignant, or Jesus was moved with compassion, and there's a whole bunch of different reasons that I could get into, and some of you would be really excited about that, and some of you are like, I could care less. Um, so if you want to talk to me about that, uh, I'd be happy to after service or sometime in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but basically, there's, there's a few of the oldest manuscripts that have a different Greek word um, 
there. So some of them, that, that Greek word is for indignant or angry, and some of it's compassion. Um, I'm just curious, how, how do you feel when you see Jesus was indignant or Jesus was angry or upset? Does that cause anybody to come up? Well, that's not really the Jesus I like too much. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll be honest, when I first saw that, I was like, whoa, Jesus, what, what's going on here? And I, I don't have all the answers, but I think it's important to notice, to note that Jesus experiences the full range of human emotion. And he feels passionately, whether it's indignant that he feels, whether it's anger he feels, or whether it's compassion, and the two are actually very closely related. He feels deeply. Emotion is not foreign to Jesus. Emotion is not foreign to God. And as I've sat with this passage and, and studied it, I, honestly, I don't have a problem with either. I don't have a problem with Jesus being angry in this instance. And I certainly don't have a problem with being compassionate. And perhaps both of you. I think Jesus was capable of being both angry and compassionate. Angry at this disease and how it's impacting this man's life and community. Angry maybe that the man doesn't understand Jesus' heart and his intentions for him. You think about it, a doctor might be a little bit angry if he showed up and said, uh, do you want to make me well? I think that doctor would probably be a little bit upset. Of course I do. I'm a doctor. But the fact that Jesus reached out to touch the man with leprosy, I think, is a powerful demonstration of his compassion. Whatever it was that Jesus was feeling, he touched this untouchable man. I was reading a, a reflection that Bill Johnson wrote on the ideas of sympathy and compassion, and it's quite convicting. He notes that sympathy is actually can be quite dangerous because it reinforces a person's identity in their affliction or need. It can fuel a victim identity. And while it is often easier to console and give sympathy, God calls us to more. Sympathy often has little hope and lives without power. It leaves a person with their affliction, problem, or question, but compassion brings them out. Whenever Jesus was moved with compassion, a miracle followed. His view of compassion is much different from ours, and so ours must change. Compassion was the vehicle that God's power rode upon. Biblical compassion is the love of God, and love seeks the best. And as those who have faith in Christ, we have access to the best. And faith operates through love. Compassion has kingdom solutions in sight, and it is energized by the affection of God. And I love this reflection that uh, Bonnie Wilkes writes, noting that the, the Hebrew word for compassion is taken from the root word, rechem, which means womb. And she writes, I believe that to extend compassion to a person means symbolically to carry him or her 
in your womb. In the womb of compassion, the suffering are protected, nurtured, and given what is good for them. They are carried until they are strong enough to come out of the womb. They must not be carried any longer than is necessary. That would be counterproductive and actually harmful. The compassion demonstrates the love of God working for the good of others. And in those reflections, I I think there's something really important that's highlighted. Bill Johnson talks about both people's identity and the character of God in that reflection. People's identity and God's character, God's heart, and how do they meet. And that brings me back to something that I think is even more significant than Jesus being either indignant or compassionate, is the man's question. The man with leprosy comes to Jesus saying, if you are willing, you can make me clean. If you are willing, you can make me clean. And I think his question touches on two very prevalent struggles that many of us face, that many people face. And the first one is that we doubt the motivations and character of God. We believe cognitively that God is good. We've been told that over and over and over again. And we cognitively believe that God loves us, but we struggle to really embrace it. And we're tempted to think that maybe God is capricious or ambivalent, or that sometimes maybe God curses us with affliction, that God wants to punish us, wants us to struggle and suffer. And we question God's will for us. Does he really will good, good things for us, if you are willing? And this struggle is real. I, I in no means want to belittle the difficulty, the suffering, the pain, the disappointment, the brokenness that we experience. Life is full of it. And it has raised the question from the beginning of time, if God is good and God is almighty, then why is there pain and suffering? That question is deep. But Jesus' response to this man says, I am willing. God is willing and God is for you. And God wants wholeness for you. God is willing. The second thing that this question, this posture of this man, I think, raises, if you are willing, you can heal me. So first we come to God sometimes in this posture of, I'm not sure if you're good. And our second posture may be, I'm not sure if you're willing to be good to me. Because how could I be worthy of that? So oftentimes, shame becomes this barrier that keeps us from God's eyes. That we believe, how could Jesus be willing to heal me? And this man, this leper, had great reason to. Leprosy was an isolating affliction. It separated people from their family, from their community. They actually had to walk through the streets yelling, unclean, unclean. So he had great reason to think, maybe I'm not worthy. 
And I think if we're honest, all of us wrestle with that question at one time or another. Maybe I'm not worthy of God's love and God's goodness. Maybe I deserve this curse. Maybe I'm not worthy of good things. I'm ashamed of me, and maybe God is ashamed of me too. And this is where Jesus breaks through with the deepest of empathy. This untouchable man, Jesus reached out and touches. And rather than making Jesus unclean, Jesus makes him clean. That touch says, I'm not ashamed of you. I am willing and you are worthy because I say you are worthy. I want you to be clean. I want you to have life. Empathy builds connection. When we meet somebody in the midst of their untouchableness, we build connection. I recently heard someone describe, say that loneliness and isolation and shame are the deep soul wound of our time. We live in a fragmented culture. We love, people love to shame others and disconnect. But empathy says, no, you are worthy of connection. <clears throat> empathy and compassion are shame breakers. Shame is disconnecting and isolating. People don't want to be with me. I'm not worthy of people's care or love. If people knew what happened to me when I was seven, they wouldn't want to be near me. If people knew what I did when I was 18, they wouldn't like me. If people knew what I said yesterday, they wouldn't be my friend. When we meet somebody in the midst of that secret, in the midst of that vulnerability and say, I'm here with you, we break shame. And empathy communicates worthiness. You are worthy of my presence and of my care. I want to be with you even in the midst of this really hard thing. God wants to be with you. God wants to be with you. To forgive you for your sins and call you out of sin into life. To share life's joy, pain, and sorrow with you and overcome with you. In the midst of thinking through empathy, I was drawn to the story in Genesis 16. And it's the story of Hagar, and you may be familiar with it, um, or you may not. But basically, Hagar is a slave to Abraham and Sarah, whom God has promised a son. And when Abraham and Sarah are unable to have a son, Sarah says, take my slave, Hagar. She can be the surrogate mother for you so that God's promise can be fulfilled. There's all kinds of different layers to this story, and we could unpack this for years probably. 
But after Hagar becomes pregnant, there is tension, obviously, between her and Sarah. And Sarah eventually abuses her, mistreats her, and sends her away. And so Hagar is wandering through the wilderness. And she's met by an angel of the Lord near a spring in the desert. And the angel of the Lord said to Hagar, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. Hagar is met with a promise from the Lord. You are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, which means God hears. And at the end of this encounter, Hagar speaks and she gives God a name. Genesis 16, 13 says, she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to, who, spoke to her. You are the God who sees me, she said. I have now seen the one who sees me. And she called the spring the well of the living one who sees me. And I think this story just echoes throughout the scripture. God wanting us to know that we are seen. Think of Adam and Eve after eating the forbidden fruit in Genesis 3, they are ashamed. They've been disobedient. They're naked and ashamed. And when they hear the sound of God, they try to hide. They don't feel worthy. They're not good enough anymore to be seen. So they hide. But God seeks them out. God sees them and clothes them. It's the story of Exodus summed up in Exodus 3.7. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. I have seen. I have heard. I know. And it's emphasized throughout the Gospels. Jesus is the one who sees he has a special knack for seeing, and especially for seeing the overlooked ones. The next time you read through a gospel, pay attention to how many times Jesus sees. In Matthew 9, 36, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus saw the widow putting in her last two pennies. Jesus took time to see children. He saw Zacchaeus, who was too short to see. And in a very poignant story found in Luke 8, Jesus sees again. A woman who had been bleeding for 12 years sneaks up 
and pushes through a crowd to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. Believing desperately that that might heal her. And if she had her way, she would have snuck away without being seen. But Jesus calls her out. The text says in Luke 8, 47, when the woman realized she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. Because Jesus is about to break her shame, calling her out of isolation. She wants to stay hidden. She still feels shame and unworthiness, though she has been healed. Jesus calls her out into brave space. He makes a point of seeing her because it isn't enough for her just to be healed. Jesus wants her to be seen, to be heard. He wants her to know that she is worthy. Compassion is God's story. God is the one who sees, who hears, who enters in to save. And God invites us into that story to be that angel, that messenger to people, to tell them, I see you, I hear you, God sees you, and God hears you. Empathy builds connection, breaks shame, communicates worthiness, and empathy is the beginning of healing. So God is calling us out to this brave space of vulnerability, of being willing to be known, to be seen, and to be heard. Jesus calls us out of hiding. And he calls us to the brave space of empathy, of being willing to be seen, of being willing to see and to know and to hear people and truly connect with them. And Jesus calls us into the brave space of compassion, of being willing to pursue God's best for other people, to carry them in our womb until they are well. At our last gathering, Doug shared a vision he received um, of a group of people sitting in a room with no faces. These faceless people, this identity-less people, And in his vision, other people began speaking words of life, prophetic words, words of God's heart. And as the words were spoken, noses and eyes and ears and mouths began taking shape on these faces. What a beautiful vision the Lord gave to Doug. God is calling us to be people who proclaim identity, who are willing to meet people in the midst of their pain and suffering, Speak to them of who they are. As we grow in becoming people who are empathetic and prophetic, I can't help but think that the first words people need to hear in our words and in our actions, I see you, I hear you, I feel you. God sees you, God hears you, God feels you. God wants you God loves you and wants to be with you. He has made a way for you through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. When we put our faith in him, we stand on his faithfulness. We are righteous in God's eyes. 
we are fully known and fully loved. That is empathy. Fully known and fully loved. I'm going to share one final reflection uh, from Juanita Ryan. Reflecting on the story of Hagar, she says, Hagar gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her, You are the God who sees me. I have now seen the one who sees me. And Juanita writes, Prayer is being seen by God. And prayer is seeing the one who sees us. Prayer is knowing that we are seen by God. God is the God who sees us, sees our needs, our deepest fears and longings, our limits, our strengths, our uniqueness, our value. God sees us through the eyes of love. God gazes on us in love. So as we close, I want to just invite you to this posture of prayer. I invite you just to sit quietly, take some deep breaths, open your hands up in your lap in a, in a posture of receptivity. I invite you just to be aware of God's presence with you of God's kindness and compassion toward you. That God is with you, looking at you, seeing you through the eyes of love. Allow yourself to be seen by the one who sees you with compassion and delight. God, you see me. I am not invisible to you. I am not overlooked by you. You see me. And just like you saw Hagar with love and compassion, you see me through eyes of love. You see me deeply. You see my longings my fears, my brokenness, my disappointment, my desires, my dreams, my love, my spirit. You see me. Because you see me, I know more fully that I am. I am because you gave me life. I am because you sustain me with your love. I am because you see me. God, we thank you for 
inviting us into your presence, to open up, opening up our eyes to see you gazing upon us in love. God, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to know the depths of, of what it means to be human, to experience all of it, and yet without sin. And yet he became the offering for sin for us, that we might stand on his faithfulness, be made wholly righteous in your sight, to be made worthy of all your love and affection for us. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Renew Community. This in no way should replace the formation within a community of Jesus followers. If you are looking for a church, would like more information about Renew, or would like to give financially to this ministry, check out our website at renewcommunity.org.